Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. And welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Sydney, uh... Oh, How are you feeling over there? Bad. I feel bad. It's the day after Thanksgiving, a Black Friday, and it has certainly been a black one for me. My stomach is doing things I did not know it was capable of any longer. Not since uh, my preteen years of eating my entire Easter basket have I uh, experienced this level of tummy distress. That's not good. No, so, it's have, actively bad, actually. I'm, I'm assuming then you're, you're not going to be doing any Black Friday shopping as a result? Um, no. Except for that you went out to buy the ingredients to make macaroons, so, like, macaroon, you're not doing too bad. Macaroon macaroons are a Black Friday tradition. <laughs> go all the way back to last year when I made them. So would you say that you overindulged yesterday, Justin, yep. on Turkey Day? You should have done what I did and play football to work off some of those K-cows. Can't. My gout's too bad. My ankle. <laughs> you don't ha- he doesn't have gout. You said he I might have gout. Have gout. I there's a chance I had gout. Can I just, at this moment, just, it's totally, it has nothing to do with anything. I would just like to mention that I scored two touchdowns yesterday. That has, you're right, but I'm glad that you got that in here. I just, I think that my, my public persona is kind of a little nerdy, right? You know, like I like science and history and like none of those things are particularly sexy. Uh, But I'm also cool now because I'm a sport. I'm a sporto. I'm sporty. Good, good touchdown girl. I am. I did. I did two good touchdowns. My daddy was very proud of me. (laughs) He was. He was. He gave me he gave me two high fives. Whoa. Uh, And I'm feeling great. And I'm sorry that you're not. Yeah. But why am I not? Well, I mean, probably just because you ate a whole lot. Yeah, I don't think it was more than I've normally eaten. I think something more sinister is going on here. Well, I mean, it, it, I guess it's always possible since yesterday was a day that entirely centered around eating lots of food that we all prepared ourselves. Not that any of us in, in our family don't know how to cook, but when you're cooking mass quantities for lots of people and you're under a lot of time crunch, sometimes maybe you cut some corners and maybe... Stuff doesn't get completely done, and not not in my kitchen, but I think I'm, I'm sure in some people's kitchen that's that is de rigueur. and that could be a setup for uh for maybe a little food poisoning, uh, uh, or maybe a setup for an episode about food poisoning. Sure, either way, things. both yeah. of those things. Uh, so uh, why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about what might be going on inside your tummy right now? Okay, I guess I'm ready for that. So, first of all, thank you to Hannah and Ariel for suggesting the topic of food poisoning in general. But let's start with um, what could be going on with you, Justin, which is salmonella. 
Um, yeah, I know that one because it's the one that Lysol was invented to fight <laughs> from their commercials. <laughs> the, uh, li- um, That's what you know about salmonella. You know something else about salmonella. Salmonella looks like little squiggly lines. And uh, it's left behind by raw chicken. Okay, and I if mean, you spray Lysol on the squiggly lines, they dissipate for 99.9%. Okay, well. That's what I've learned. Sure. Um, salmonella is a bacteria, not a squiggly line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, we've talked a lot about salmonella actually already. I don't know if you realize this because it's it's re- the salmonella family, the salmonella family of products is responsible for typhoid. Oh, yeah. Which, remember, we I talked about. That sometimes, but I do know that somewhere. But there are, like, less dangerous, uh, like, serivars of salmonella that cause, I mean, unpleasant foodborne illness, but are, are much less likely to kill you, you know. You mm-hmm. won't, you don't get quite as sick as you do with typhoid. Um, you know what's it, crazy is salmonella was actually the first of the foodborne pathogens that we isolated and, and knew caused illness like before e coli or shigella or any of the other things we think of as like you know food poisoning type items i always think of it as like the most boring regular type of food poisoning salmonella like, salmonella is like the chicken of food poisoning because it's like it got really it got really hot for no it wasn't a joke uh, it yeah. got really hot for a while like for a while everybody was talking about it for for a while it really seemed like chicken was out to get us Chicken was finally going to make okay. a strike back. When was it really hot? Like, do you remember when Lysol got like really angry okay. about salmonella? All you know is Lysol. <laughs> this is what I'm getting is the only thing you know about salmonella is Lysol. It just, there was a lot of commercials there for a while. And like, it would be black and white, but the chicken would leave behind purple squiggly <laughs> lines. And, and it's like, wow. It's how people must have felt when they, when germ theory was invented. Like, oh man, that's not just like slime. There's like, there's lots of germs in there and stuff. I hate it. I think I think people get nervous about salmonella because you know it has something to do with chicken and we eat a lot of chicken. That's my that's more my theory. Yeah, that could be it too. Uh, there there have been, and this is probably what you're referencing. There have been outbreaks of salmonella in the U.S. Um, in recent years that are that are like highly you know publicized and the, and the media talks a lot about them. It's interesting though. We always associate salmonella with chicken, and certainly it can be in poultry and turkey as well, which is why we're talking about it day after thanksgiving but uh it also you know from some of the outbreaks we've had you know that it it's spinach has been uh the culprit uh beef which we don't ever think about can carry salmonella eggs peanut butter actually a couple times has caused some big some big outbreaks of oh, uh, man. of salmonella but certainly chicken too i think even really recently in the last couple months there's been some recalls on some some different like chicken type products like some breaded like pre-prepared frozen breaded chicken and chicken cordon bleu and stuff that was associated with some some salmonella um and of course when uh when you get salmonella uh, in you know like the enterica strains is what we're talking about that aren't the the non-typhoid ones basically the non-typhoid strains uh you're mainly going to get like nausea vomiting your stomach's going to cramp you're going to get diarrhea Uh, let's see this would be about the sweet spot in terms of when that's going to start happening for you because we're about we're between 12 and 72 hours out mm. from when you ate well, so basically i'm asking how you're how are you feeling i mean never very good 
Like, Never? I've pretty much like had a bad tummy since I was like 25. Just like every day. Well, I don't think you've Some had salmonella new... since you were 25. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm about baseline. But my baseline is pretty bad. Like my whole family has pretty rough tummies, I would say, 24-7. That's true. That, that That's very true. Well, salmonella is only going to last you about four to seven days. Um, the the big thing is just to stay hydrated. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's true with anything that causes you to puke and poop a lot. Just like try not to lose a lot of fluid um, and replace what you do lose. So and I, by that, I don't mean like take a modium. I just mean like drink a lot of water and Gatorade. Pedialyte is actually great for this. So no real uh, medicine could help? No, I mean, there are antibiotics that we can give you. And certainly if you are, if you already have certain um, chronic diseases that might make it harder for you to get over something like this, um, if you're, you know, in a vulnerable part of the population like the very old or the very young or if um you just get really sick for whatever reason from it we can give you antibiotics there there are lots of different classes that can be helpful but for most of us we don't really recommend even taking antibiotics for it because it really doesn't help that much with your symptoms Mm. um and it will actually cause you to continue to shed the bacteria shed is the word i just used okay we are still a profanity free show (laughs) but you will shed it in your stool Okay, so yeah, <laughs> um, for uh, for longer if you take antibiotics. Um, so and that's not that's not a good thing because when it's coming out in your stool, that's when we worry about. Remember my favorite my favorite route of transmission, the fecal oral, the good old fecal oral route. Ah. That's how that happens is because you're wiping and you're not washing, which is never a good plan. Um, so <sighs> you know if you're most most people really shouldn't take antibiotics. You should just. Grab your Gatorade and take a few days off work. Why is Lysol so upset about salmonella then? Is it because of the kids? Please, somebody think of the kids and their salmonella. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's an easy thing to educate people about. And and it's a good way to sell your product, probably. Because a lot of us, like I said, I, I mean, unless you don't eat meat, you probably eat chicken maybe more than other meats. I don't know. I feel like we do. Yeah, I would say a good amount. Like, I mean, chicken is a very, is like a staple for most people and you can buy a lot of it. It's good for feeding lots of people. Um, And raw chicken oozes and you get goop and everything everywhere. And so it's like a, it's a good reason to have Lysol, I guess. Yeah. I think it's just a great way to sell it. It's a good marketing campaign. For sure. Like you got to be clean for some reason. (laughs) So why not? Why not salmonella? salmonella? The other place that salmonella lurks in addition to chicken though the other big thing that we don't talk enough about are reptiles and i thought this was an interesting fact so you know have you heard this before turtles and iguanas uh no specifically green iguanas and red-eared slider turtles okay are either those teenage or mutant not to my knowledge i'm not that familiar with turtles i don't think that's what the salmonella does to them <laughs> is that wow i used to think it was mutagenic ooze but apparently it was just plain, just plain old everyday salmonella, salmonella has a different effect on turtles uh in 1975 i think this is great so yes reptiles can carry salmonella and that's a fear if you're gonna let your kid or i mean if you're an adult you can own a turtle too but i mean the big fear was like if your kid wanted a turtle um so the fda issued a regulation a law in 1975 called the four inch law or the four inch regulation Mm -hmm. and what it said was that any turtles sold in the u.s had to have a carapace that was at least four inches in length (laughs) and do you know what that is what a carapace is yeah their shell yes well, I, well, specifically, it's the dome-shaped back part of the shell. In our request, uh, this oh, no, items gonna, you can get yeah, carapace. Okay. This is video, well, video games again. That's yeah. just, that's good. They're very educational. 
apparently about turtle not shells. just pac-man anymore <laughs> folks so so they had to be at least four inches long the top part of the shell uh because basically it would be harder for the kid to fit the turtle in their mouth if they were at least that long that's awesome um and that that's was a great law that was the worry was that kids were going to get these turtles and then stick them in their mouths and then get salmonella and i believe that having a kid now they stick everything in their mouths so yeah they'd they'd probably stick the turtle in their mouth probably right do you know charlie how, would uh, do you know how chill things must have been for the food and drug administration that they like took a day it's like let's get this turtle thing figured out <laughs> kids are putting <laughs> turtles in their mouths like crazy like, why is it just, you know, there there is actually, if you want to get, uh, as a parent, here's just something I've learned. About half of the things that there are, are small enough to fit in a baby's mouth. Like, if you've got, and will kill them. Like, if you have a determined baby, a determined suicidal baby, like, they'll jam anything in there. Can we pass the four-inch law on everything? Like, nothing can be smaller than four inches <laughs> at all. Not, well, and I, let's just treat everything like it's draped in salmonella. Right. Not just turtles. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit. There are a lot of different bacteria that can cause food poisoning. And frankly, a lot of them can, uh, deserve their own episode. Um, salmonella just doesn't now because I already took out the big gun typhoid. <laughs> so I want to talk in general a little bit about foodborne illness. Um, it's been known. I love this term throughout history as death in the pot. <laughs> what you called it when somebody died from I don't know, they ate something and they got sick and they died and right. none, and we didn't understand why because we didn't know anything about bacteria or germs but or anything. But there was death in the pot. But there was death in the pot. It was a new recipe. It, it said a half cup death and I thought, <laughs> oh, that sounds like a lot. But okay, when in Rome. Um, actually, that's very apt because uh, the, the Romans used these lead pots and then they seeped into their food and they probably all got lead poisoning from it. That's a really great... But that's a whole yeah. Other I, story I knew for that. No, I knew that. Um, that's why I decided to go there. <laughs> We've known that that different foods or different forms of food, as in like raw food or whatever, could be has been dangerous since ancient times. Um, we and we know this because we have studied like mummies and bog bodies and skeletons and um, coprolites. Coprolites. I'm not familiar. So like, like old, like mummified poop. Mm, charming. And found like parasites and bacteria and, and all kind you know evidence that people got sick and got certain different kinds of you know foodborne illnesses all right. throughout ancient times although nobody probably knew that that's what they had or that that's what their you know family or friends had died of um in the beginning we probably just figured out what not to eat by either watching what food animals avoided other mm -hmm. animals you know uh, they you know the whatever the saber-toothed tiger won't eat that so <laughs> This is like a Flintstone history, <laughs> so I won't need it either. Or or trial and error. Or like, uh, did you see what happened when Bob ate that? I think we do have some understanding that uh, f food that is cooked through. I, I don't know if this is like epigenetic or we're just learned or whatever, but I think that we do have some sort of inherent revulsion to meat that is not finished being cooked. Like I think there is some genetic, like. Uh, some trigger that we have for for meat that is not all the way done well we may have touched on this once before but the, the it's really interesting the concept of like disgust mm -hmm. you know like right. you're, like being disgusted something finding something gross or disgusting is um it's an advantage it's an evolutionary advantage it is something that we have developed the things that we tend to just naturally find gross and repulse us and we wouldn't want to put in our mouths tend to be things that could make us sick so there's a reason that when you see you know like 
a wound that's infected and is oozing with pus that you go Ugh, and try to stay away from it because that's your, you know, your DNA's way of saying there are there's bacteria there. Right. Stay away. Right. Stay away. And food that's rotten, probably, you know, it's the same idea. Mm-hmm. Some of it certainly is learned. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there is something innate, something that, you know, something animal about that, avoiding things that make you sick. Huh. Um uh, of course, um, there are biblical references to certain foods that you should avoid because they could cause illness or, or different ways to prepare food. And a lot of this could have been, you know, connected to, I mean, there, there was the idea of things that were, cl- you know, clean in, in a spiritual sense, but also things that were clean in a very practical sense, right. you know. Um, Hippocrates actually used to advise his patients to either boil their water and later he even developed a filter to use for water. Um uh, not really, again, not understanding that there could be anything in the water that might make people sick, you know, any kind of any kind of food poisoning or water poisoning or anything like that. He just noted that clean water tasted better. And so stuff that smelled or looked dirty, he wanted cleaner just because it, it, he thought it tasted better. His filtering thing had to be madness, right? Like three t three old t-shirts and some herbs that he found and whatever <laughs> what, what kind of t-shirts does, did hippocrates wear do you think well he had so many from like different bands of his friends you know they weren't in anymore that he just had like a pile that he would use just for filtering water you think hippocrates was the kind of guy who just collected all of his old t-shirts and just wore them for years you know like after they got faded and like it's holy not, a, it's and everything. not intentional just, it's like a, one day you wake up and you're like well, where did all these t-shirts come from and he decided to use them as filters is this you or Hippocrates we're talking about now? I'm, I would never go through the trouble of like filtering my water. And I care cool. too much about cool. my old t-shirts. Um, in ancient Greece and Rome, we, we knew there was, you know, it's evidence that we knew not to eat uh, diseased animals. Mm-hmm. That we had some understanding that we would get sick. Um, and we know that, we know that, that we already understood that because people used to try to hide it. People used to try to cover up if the animals, you know, people who would, sell butchers who would kill and sell animals um would try to hide that the animals had been sick Should by I, like draw uh, a smiley face on them that kind of thing no on the steak no yeah just draw a smiley face on the steak you could see it's good it's Fine. good steak very happy <laughs> very happy no no by once they had slaughtered the animals they would um treat the meat with nutmeg because nutmeg would hide the taste and smell of decaying rotted meat um and this for a long time nutmeg was really even even today i think nutmeg is used in a lot of like sausages and hot dogs and that's where this comes from well not because they're rotten now but because of this like link with meat it was so closely associated with meat because it was used to hide that we're selling (sighs) you diseased rotten meat (laughs) it's like i can't even enjoy sausages anymore um and there's a whole lot if you want to talk about the history of of adulterating food of of like trying to change food and drink that we know is dangerous in order to sell more of it there's a this is a long i mean there are laws against this like hundreds of years back because people have been trying to sell each other rotten meat as long as we've been trying to sell each other meat um plenty yeah warned about this no he had to yeah, plenty the elder he of course when it came to wine he warned specifically that there were some there were some wine sellers who would taint their wine with some noxious herbs some stuff that would end up making you sick as a way of making it appear fresher and brighter and more flavorful mm-hmm. um and then you'd get really sick from the stuff that they were putting in who it. even wants fresh wine didn't they know back then that it's like better if you wait like 100 years yeah. or whatever 
I don't think it's a hundred years. I don't think it's a hundred years. Either. We 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 obviously don't know what we're talking we about. We don't there. actually know um, exactly how long you need to age your wine. As we as we move through history, you know, at first we thought that like some food might make you sick because of something we you know we couldn't understand. Maybe there was some sort of chemical property or something like that, a toxin. Uh, you know, this is this is after we stopped thinking it was like a punishment from the gods. Um, there were some experiments done in the 1700s by Albrecht von Haller. Uh, who did a lot for the study of physiology, but one of one of the things he he dabbled in was injecting decaying material into animals mm-hmm. to see if they got sick. Um, to see, like, okay, just because something is like dead and decaying, does that inherently make it dangerous? It's gross. It doesn't smell good. But how does that make you sick? We right. still didn't understand, but he he got the picture that it does make you sick. Uh, but it really wasn't until the 1850s uh, when Louis Pasteur recognized sure, that you know. Germs and- Invented, when Louis Pasteur invented germs. Well. Um, no, but recognized that germs existed and that food, germs in food probably caused illness and developed pasteurization or the process of heating food to kill the germs. And and then that's when we really started to put it all together. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Louis Pasteur. First pasteurizing milk and now this. What, guy, what can't that guy do? He can't make us any money. That's the answer. What, what, what can make us money? Well... Let's go to the building department. Good idea, Justin. Thanks. It's the first time I've ever come up with it myself. <laughs> Let's go. That's my line. <laughs> the medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh and the meals i can say are delicious so what do you got to lose head on over to factormeals.com sawbones50 and use code SAWBONES50 to get 50% off. That's code SAWBONES50 at factormeals.com slash SAWBONES50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier then you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going to. Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool. Think of it as the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just 
take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Okay, where were we? I know we were just singing the praises of Louis Pasteur, and I'm still a big fan of that guy, even after the commercial break. So, uh, you know, once we understood that inadequately uh, prepared or cooked food caused disease, and we understood that there were bacteria involved, and we kind of got the idea of foodborne illness, um, you would think that would solve all our problems, right? Yeah. No. Ah. Uh, Because as we're moving into a time, and specifically we're talking a lot about U.S. history right now, uh, when food was being prepared in mass quantities outside the home. You know, you weren't raising your own animals and your own vegetables and all that and killing your own animals at home and preparing everything in your own kitchen. Uh, You were buying this stuff in stores. So it was Mm. being kind of prepared for you somewhere else. Right. And as far as what standards people had to follow in that somewhere else where your food was being prepped, I mean, there, there weren't any. Everybody's trying to run a scam. Everybody's trying to make a quick buck. Yes. Everybody's trying to put stuff. The wheeling and dealing early 1900s. Everybody's on their grind. Exactly. It's all about making money. It's all about uh, capitalism. And it is not about looking out. It's a very much a uh, uh, caveat emptor mm-hmm. kind of buyer periods, beware period These periods where regulation hasn't quite caught up with innovation um, pop up from time to time. And if you realize that you're in one of them, uh, historically speaking, I really can't express uh, like emphasize this enough. Make sure you take advantage because people are going to get <laughs> rich before John Law decides to catch up and start uh, getting his, you know, his share a slice of the pie and making a bunch of laws to keep people safe. So if you ever find that you're in one of those times, if you're where, in a culture lag time. You're in a culture lag where time in history innovation has not yet been outstripped by regulation. Make sure you get them ducats uh get as much as you can get as much as you can take save it sock it away for a rainy day and once john law comes to find you make sure you've moved your entire operation offshore so you can't even get one single taste <laughs> that's a great reason to study history so that you know when to take advantage of people in the present a time, lot of, right? yeah exactly that's you good. gotta know when to strike when the iron's vulnerable i'm really that's glad the that old saying that we're helping those people out so anyway <laughs> sorry god <laughs> I'm so, just really jealous. I never like got in on one of these one of these gold rushes. <laughs> Maybe you just don't have the inside, honey. So in the early 1900s uh, in the U.S., we start. You know, there there are smart people uh, working for the United States government who start worrying that we need to find a way to regulate food quality. Um, now, what I want to talk about is it's a little it's a little removed from the idea of bacteria, you know, germs in our food. Um, and I'm, I'm focusing a little more on other things that may have been in your food at the time. Mm-hmm. Specifically, there were a lot of uh, preservatives and additives that were tossed in with foods that were sold um, that were not studied in any way or evaluated for, for what they would do to you. They right. were known to um, maybe make 
there, for instance, there was a copper copper sulfate was used to make like peas look greener. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's important. Right. Well, they sold better. So so you would use sure. that. Uh, borax was used in meat. My wife. They treated it. <laughs> right? No, no, no. Borax. Okay. Got no, it. Man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nah, I love Borat humor because it's so timely. <laughs> yeah, you can everybody say. everybody really is into it right now. You can say that joke was a great success. Borat. <laughs> Anyway, borax was used to preserve meat um, commonly. And, and again, like nobody was evaluating this stuff. Nobody even had to say that they put it in their food. They just sold it. Yeah, like, right. Here, eat we didn't this have, stuff, America. Deal it's, with it. It's, it's weird to kind of think about like we've grown up in a time I vaguely remember before nutritional labels. You probably don't, do you? Mm, I don't really know. No, I like I vaguely remember. Before. I mean, at like fast food restaurants, they didn't have to have them. Yeah, but I mean, no, but I mean, like when I when I got started, it was not there. It just wasn't there, and it's there would be an ingredient list, but you wouldn't have the nutritional information. It's crazy to think there was a time period where it's just like the box would just say peas. I don't know. <laughs> trust us, they're and, just peas. And this is wink, just, wink. It's just and this is just peanut butter. Please enjoy it. What else is? I mean, how do you? Doesn't matter. It says peanut butter on there. That's what you wanted, wasn't it? <laughs> it's a nickel. Everything's a nickel. Nobody gets to complain. <laughs> Everything's going to get much more expensive eventually, and then you'll get to know what's in it, yeah. okay? <laughs> so so there was a lot of concern at the time about, uh, you know, these kinds of chemicals, and, and some of them are pesticides and, and toxins that may be in your food and if it's okay. So one doctor, one chemist who is particularly concerned about it was Harvey Washington Wiley, um, who worked for the US government and and this was before the days of the FDA, uh, but would lead to the creation of the FDA. Hmm. Uh, and he said, we need to study this stuff. And here's what he proposed. I wanna get together a group of 12 guys. They've gotta be vigorous and voracious were his words mm -hmm. um they all had to take a civil service exam they needed to be screened for having high moral character okay they needed to have uh reputations for sobriety and reliability and they have to be willing to pledge to for an entire year to eat only what we give them okay and to be studied thoroughly during this uh so they they would uh, come ahead of time to get like weight and height and, and blood drawn and urine samples and hair samples and then they would be measured and studied basically every day before and after they ate all this food uh and what he was going to do is poison them great with <laughs> with increasing amounts of different compounds to see what happened to people so like borax was what he started with and it, that actually ended up being what they were most famous for was eating a bunch of borax i think dr wiley was known as dr borax for a while uh, <laughs> um but he he did it with lots of different compounds and uh this group this, this group of 12 young men eventually became known as uh the poison squad That's so rad so what's great is that men volunteered for this to get um, onto the squad. Yes, because they wanted to join the squad. I found one of the letters that was written to Dr. Wiley from a young man uh, asking if he could be considered to join. And th this is the letter. This is, uh, I'm quoting to you. Uh, Dear sir, I have read in the paper of your experiments on diet. I have a stomach that can stand anything. I have a stomach that will surprise you. <laughs> I am a... <laughs> Try my stomach. It might surprise you. I am afflicted with seven diseases. Never went to a doctor for 15 years. They told me 15 years ago that I could not live eight months. What do you think of it? My stomach can hold anything. That's so rad. That's like the raddest. Like, put that to like a rap beat. Like, it's it's a really hard, 
like really really tough line like it's really <laughs> that that's that's putting yourself out there i have a stomach that will surprise you that was actually that was the first thing that justin said to me that really piqued my interest excuse me ma'am i have a stomach that will surprise you if i just oh. have a minute of your time oh, do you <laughs> tell me more buy me a drink so so dr wiley put together his his young tough men now a note i should say about about dr wiley because this is he invented this Mega ends up <laughs> no he hates no. Mega Man. What? Sorry, Doctor Light invented Mega Man. Okay. Doctor Wiley hates Mega Man. He's I don't kill him. I don't know anything you're talking about. Sure. Okay. It's the year twenty XX, Sydney, and Doctor Wiley's trying to stop <laughs> Doctor Light and Mega Man. Somebody's really enjoying this. I'm sure. Um, it's me. <laughs> the search so is over. He was. He I have was, a stomach that might surprise you. <laughs> So Dr. Wiley was a smart guy. He worked really hard to improve food safety. He was a good scientist. Uh, one uh, interesting note, he was a terrible chauvinist. He thought uh, that women lacked the brain power of men, which is why there were no women involved in this. Um, they at one point tried to allow a woman to uh, be one of the cooks. The main cook was Perry, by the way. That's important to remember. That's all. That's the only name I okay. know by Perry. Perry. Perry was the main cook. Um but he, he claimed that women were too dumb to even be able to poison people correctly, so we couldn't involve any women okay. in the process. Uh, he was also fired by Purdue uh, University, I think, for riding a bicycle. <laughs> that was strictly Which isn't really his fault, but <laughs> I guess I, I wasn't dignified. No staff of ours will be seen on a half half car. <laughs> what? That's what bicycles A, ho- a horseless half known. car? <laughs> the horseless, horseless half cars? <laughs> Uh, so an, an interesting guy. Um, but as I said, he was a good scientist because he, he went about this experiment uh, very rigorously. He started with borax. He, he fed them various uh, amounts of borax. Uh, and you can find like a published like list of like their Christmas meal. And it, it, it ends with like how much borax was in with it. Um, he went he went from there to sulfuric acid, saltpeter, copper sulfate, formaldehyde. He gave higher doses, took all the samples, uh, monitored them, and of course, they got sick every time. Right. Um. It, you know, eventually, different doses, the the men would get sick, and then he would claim that, or then he would, you know, declare this was not something we should be putting in food. The media was following this. They went wild. They actually were where the the name the poison squad came from um and even though a lot of these were trying to be suppressed by the food lobby mm-hmm. in the u.s these studies that he you know wrote these papers did leak out and the and mainly because of the media this got out to the public and people started freaking out and demanding that we do a better job of stopping this mm-hmm. and so from this came the pure food and drug act of 1906 as well as the meat inspection act although i should note that that part of this we have to give props to the jungle by yeah. Sinclair. Well, I mean, and there's was, a lot. That's actually part of what, although that was not his goal, that is part of why there was regulation of the meat industry as well. Well, in the Drug Act, part of it came from a lot of other sources too, yes? Yes, but the Pure Food and Drug Act was initially called the Wiley Act. So I think we can say okay. that yeah. Dr. Wiley was pretty instrumental. The only reason it actually, that name didn't stick is Teddy Roosevelt who got really involved and championed his cause and took credit for a lot of it. And he was really good at talking and, you know, making loud speeches. So he kind of ended up outshining Dr. Wiley. uh, And so it became known as the Pure Food and Drug Act instead of the Wiley Act. But yeah, but uh, but of course, um, these acts led eventually to the creation of the FDA and food safety guidelines and Wiley being known as the father of the FDA. Yeah, I mean, we we. You know, you give a lot of hard time to 
putting Borat in food, but it did get us the FDA, and you can't really fault it for that, you know? I don't even know what to say about that. There is, I don't, I don't have it here. I can't sing it all for you because I don't know the tune. I try to find this. There is a song called The Poison Squad that they oh, really? wrote about these 12 men who... Oh, I thought you were going to say they wrote about themselves. No. They were just really tripped out on no, Borat I don't, I don't one know. night, and then... And they wrote a song about themselves called The Poison Squad. Check this one out. My (laughs) stomach can't hold anything. Hey, that's good. That's a good one. I have a stomach that will surprise you. I've been puke free since 93. Um, that's eighteen. That's eighteen ninety three, mind you. Uh, uh, I want to say a big <laughs> thank you to Me Undies. Remember, it's holiday time. Get get out in front of this thing. Don't get caught by surprise. Go to meundies.com slash sawbones and get twenty percent off your first order of the most comfortable underwear on the planet. Thanks to Maximum Fun Network for uh, letting us be a part of their f- extended podcast family. Tickets for uh, Max Fun Con are on sale now. That is a annual gathering of delightful human beings that you can take part in um i want to let you know that i got a new podcast uh with my brothers and the guys who make uh the show the worst idea of all time it is an annual eternal podcast uh called till death do us blart where we watch paul blart mall cop 2 every year and release a review of it on american thanksgiving so the first episode was just launched and you can find that on itunes uh also candle nights um is an annual podcast festival uh, 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 that that we host here in Huntington, West Virginia, um, and it is going to be on December 21st, and it is at 8 p.m., and that's going to feature Sawbones and also My Brother, My Brother and Me, uh, two podcasts um, that uh, for, for just one price, which I think, like I said, I think it's 20 bucks, uh, but you can go to bit.ly forward slash candle nights two and uh, you can buy those tickets. Uh, we're just about, I think, 60, 50 or 60% sold out. We've sold quite a few, so it's um, uh, I would not wait on that too long. Um, but now it is time to wrap up. We've been joined at the very end by our special guest, uh, Charlie Gale McElroy. Hello, Charlie. How was your nap? Thank you for letting Mommy and Daddy do their podcast. I really appreciate it. She's just kind of staring at me at Gog. Uh, but I think that's everything. That's the taxpayers. Let us use their song "Medicines" as the intro and outro of our program. Um, you can find all their stuff on, uh, I believe, Bandcamp. Just search for the taxpayers, then buy everything that you legally can. And uh, that is really going to do it for us. Seriously, this time, we're done. And uh, until next Wednesday, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.